0: John McCaslin is our speaker this morning. For all of you who have been here for a few years, y'all know not the story, because we're gonna hear that this morning, but the love and and concern and beautiful relationship of John and Jean McCaslin, and especially the beautiful way that John took care of Jean doing her illness, so uh, I'm not sure what all you're going to tell us this morning, but we're ready to hear whatever you have. Okay. Today. Did I you turn, turn on. it on? It's on. Okay. Oh, heavens, it takes take me too. That's <laughs> not <good. laughs> We
1: expected shorter <laughs> announcements. <than> an <atmosphere.
0: laughs>
1: yeah, five of my 40 minutes, six of my 40 minutes is gone. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: Actually, I, I told you 30 to 35 minutes is how much you would have, so.
2: Oh, no,
1: Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you be with this class this morning, be with me as I attempt to share the love and the life that Gina and I shared together for almost 50 years. And I just pray that in some way it will draw us all closer to you and help us, Father, to realize that no matter what our circumstances there's still life after whatever happens to us because you've invited us to come home with you thank you for loving us thank you father for being who you are and for gracious graciously sharing Jesus to help us live this life and we look forward to eternity father and it's through him we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, our story began in the fall of 1969 when I met Jean on, I think, probably on the steps of the administration building at Abilene Christian College, college at that point in time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, those steps were occupied by students every Tuesday night who got together to sing. And some would say, well, why don't you get together with John? And she said, he sings too loud. (laughs) That still is the truth. If you sit anywhere around me, you know that that's the truth. But we started dating in the fall of 1968 yeah, I, was, I said 69, but 68. Uh, I hadn't been on a date for a while. I had transferred from the University of Texas. Who wears the right color orange, in case you're wondering? And, Huh? <laughs> so, uh, I took her out the morning that I got ready to ask her out. I prayed that the person that I asked out would be somebody that would be special to me the rest of my life. Answered prayer. I asked her out not knowing that the person that I had asked out on the night before, I took her on Friday, the night before on Thursday, the night before the night after on Saturday, were all Sweet mates in the same dorm, 106,
2: 107, 108.
1: And each night as the first one would go out, the other two would be standing at the windows waving. So this went on for at least three nights. A few weeks later, after that date, I sent her a card, a Christmas card. She gave it to her niece, who was two years old, and she chewed it up. (laughs) Which is what Jean intended for her to do at that point in time. Uh, After we came back from uh, Christmas break, I was sitting on the steps of the music building. Someone was giving a concert, and I was sitting out there inviting people to come in and she was she came down the sidewalk from the library where she had been to the scouting out this other guy that she was looking for so we got to talk and i invited her in after that was over concert was over we went she said well let's go go to mickey's and those of you who are not part of the abilene culture don't know what mickey's is but they served ice cream, and they served what they called Mickey's Twist, which was chocolate and vanilla ice cream twisted up together, and I said, well, I can't because I don't have a car, and she says, oh, but I do, (laughs) (laughs) and so off we go, the next day, we made a second date, we went to State Park, we... I had on Bermuda shorts that day. Girls in Abilene at that point in time at ACU, ACC, could not wear shorts. So here she comes in her trench coat, oh. as most anybody else of that era would have done to keep from getting caught by the dorm mother. Uh, so we got in the car. <coughs> we were driving down North First, I think. She had put her hand on my knee. I mean, this is only the second date now. She was... And we went past a
2: Westernware
1: store. And she said, oh, look, there's Lusties. Well, it was Luskies.
2: <laughs>
1: so I didn't know where we were going, but... Sounded okay to me. (laughs) So, we did that uh, after spring, after we got back from the Christmas holidays, I went with her to meet her family at Easter. Nine weeks later, we were engaged. I called her dad and asked permission. And he answered the phone, and his, the way he answered the phone was always yellow. And I said, Miss Redwards, this is John. John who?
2: <laughs>
1: so, anyway, we got, he, he approved, and we married New Year's Day of 1970. After we graduated in May, we moved to Weatherford, Texas. I had a degree in music education. She had a degree in secretarial, whatever she did, I can't remember the exact term. Moved to Weatherford, Texas, which is just 30 miles west of Fort Worth. Uh, we stayed there for three years, and in that three-year period of three and a half year period of time, no, we were there four years. Uh, we decided that we were ready for a family, but found that we could not have children so we adopt i mean we applied for adoption nine months later. we had a baby, which is i mean that 's just unheard of for adoption period you know at any time now it 's even more rare uh, but we had a had a baby boy uh, we had been greasing the, the wheel as they say to get them to keep us in front of their minds that we were ready for a baby well we got a Gene got a call one day we have a baby boy for you so we went and picked him up got back home well we, yeah we got we got back home we had a letter from Smithlawn home in Lubbock and said, thank you for your interest, but we don't have anything available or in the works for you at this point in time. As, and as we're reading that letter, we're holding him.
2: <laughs>
1: so we had Eric at that... Uh, then, four years later, the Lord blessed us with another child, blessed us with a natural-born child, Aaron, And two years later, we had another son, and every time we got to thinking about naming that son, we already had Eric, and we had Aaron, and everybody said, you got to have an E. You got to have an E. That's just the way it is. Well, you start trying to think of E names for boys. Although we didn't know it was a boy at that point in time, we still... We'd already chosen a girl's name, and it was not an E name. But for a boy, we decided we wanted an E. And could not think of anything, and all we could come up with was Eric, Aaron, and Error. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but we decided he might have a complex from that. So uh, we were sitting at a traffic light one day, and this panel truck drove by, and on the side of it was... Evan Williams, Liquor. So Evan was his name. Is his name. Was his middle name Liquor? No. No, his middle name was not Liquor. Uh, so we've moved from, Houston, from Weatherford to... The kids were not born in... The two later children were not born in Weatherford... We moved to Houston, I changed jobs, and we were transferred to Louisville. And Jean was about to come to visit me in Nashville where I had been transferred in the fall of 77. And she called and said, I don't think I can come because she thought she was going to have a miscarriage, which she did not. But uh, anyway, Aaron came along
0: two years later, we
1: were surprised again with the third one. We decided that that was enough. We had started a Xerox machine and didn't want to do that anymore. So a little snip snip on a a Friday afternoon, I believe was all that it took to take care of that problem. Also the day was my birthday that was a great birthday present.
2: <laughs>
1: but it was also the day that we all found out, and most of us in this class right now will know the day that we found out who shot J.R.
2: <laughs>
1: and it was on my birthday. <laughs> so, uh, we fast forward, we moved from Louisville to Nashville. Both Aaron and Evan. Evan were born in Nashville. Uh, Then we moved back to the Fort Worth area. We moved to Tulsa. We decided we didn't want to move anymore, so I looked for a job in Nashville again because we love being in Nashville. Ended up with a job in Nashville, and we moved back in the fall of 1984, and we've been here ever since. Uh, Jean was a legal secretary most of her life, and was the last 15 years or so of her life she spent working at HCA as an administrative assistant in the legal department and then in the ethics and compliance department. Uh, I gave up the teaching regime back after we left, when we left Weatherford. I did not teach school anymore. I, at that point in time, was a choral music director. I had 260 students every day, grades 6 through 12. And that was enough, too. They said, don't quit after the first year. So I didn't. I quit after the second year. (laughs) So we moved back to Nashville. Uh, Loved being back in Nashville. Kids all grew up. uh, Became model, model citizens. In 2010, uh, Jane began having trouble at work. She couldn't even do some of the mundane things like making copies on the copy machine. She couldn't, could not do that. So we started looking to see if we could find a reason for that. She had a coworker whose husband was exhibiting some of the same uh, problems and they had gone to a uh, psychiatrist who then sent them on to a neurologist. But it, they, so we went to the psychiatrist and he sent us on to a neurologist. And they had pretty well decided that she was starting, she had on, uh, early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> Uh, that's the first that we knew what was happening in the summer of 2006. Our youngest son and his wife were transferred to Japan where they spent a year and a half. And during that time, just or just prior to them leaving, Jean contracted shingles, and so we went through that through that battle. But she had a nervous breakdown between the shingles and the the diagnosis of, of Alzheimer's. It was just one day she called me. We worked about a mile and a half apart at that point in time. Uh, we had opened a business in Cool Springs. I was a, after <clears throat> all of that, I ended up opening a business. We did home decorating fabrics and trims and custom labor, custom bedding and draperies and, and all of that. And it was the end of 2007 and that was starting the downturn of the economy, and I had not been open long enough to really have a following, a good following. And so we ended up having to close that. Uh, I did temp jobs after that, ended up spending almost six years at Vanderbilt in the ethics, in the in undergraduate admissions. And I'm starting on to our trek to Otter Creek. We had been worshiping for with a small congregation in Goodlettsville, where I led singing for 20 years. I led singing just about everywhere we'd ever been, Uh, and. That was my passion. Then we decided that we were ready to make a change. We prayed about it. Spirit told us that we needed to make the change and that we, Gene was going, we were going to start by visiting a month here, a month there, just to get a feel for each place we went because you can't learn about someplace on one Sunday morning. So we left, started our visit, came to Otter Creek in October of 2009. And it's the only place we went. <laughs> so, a short story, Gene was going to write a synopsis of every place that we went so that we would have something to compare with. Well, there wasn't anything to compare because we didn't go anywhere else. <laughs> uh, God directed us through, through all of this, through the diagnosis. Uh, I, if I even took you back to the very beginning of moving from Nashville to uh, Burleson, His hand was on us the whole time. No way would we have gotten through all of that time without him having his hand on on us. Uh, We had such wonderful experiences. And then in the fall of 2010, Gene started having trouble at work and nobody there would say anything to me about it they in fact they didn't say anything to her until it kind of you know they kind of got to the point she was she was supporting 17 people as an administrative assistant which was enough to give anybody the shingles much less her nervous breakdown but anyway she uh, In May of 2011, a pretty big day for us. We worked about a mile apart. I was at Vanderbilt, but she was incorporated at HCA, which is behind Centennial Park. And we went to work at 7, at 7.45. She called me and said, come get me. I can't do this anymore. It had finally started to take its toll on her. And so I went and picked her up and that was the last day she worked. Uh, Not in our game plan, but we don't write those plans. He directed us through all of that. She stayed at home. We continued to try to figure out what was going on with her. She was finally diagnosed with Alzheimer's. we just had to slow down. She was still able to drive until one day she was supposed to be going to a doctor in downtown Nashville and ended up at our eye doctor out on Harding Road. And it clicked in with both of us that she couldn't do that anymore. That's where we were. So she went home, she gave me the keys Last day she drove, Uh, she stayed at home while I was still working. Uh, After the diagnosis, we applied for uh, for disability. They said, well, it'll take at least six months, probably longer. Because you never get approved the first time. We applied during all of this time now. After, and she, re, she left HCA. In uh, she, took, she had taken disability as a part of her benefits package. And she had taken a short-term disability that we didn't know we had which was of great benefit to us for four or five months probably before. But in that period of time, uh, after we had applied, we got word that she had been approved. First time through. Nobody knew how that happened. I did. And so he... uh, he guided us through that. Uh, during the time that she, before the disability was approved, she had, as an employee of HCA, she had PTO, which some of you will understand, paid paid time off instead of vacation time. She had paid time off, and she also had thank Thank you, Lord, for this with HCA. They had. She, had extended illness benefits. So she took the extended illness benefit, which was 800 and close to 800 to 50 hours to get her through. Thank you to HCA. (laughs) And uh, during that time, she was still accruing PTO because she was still an employee. Even though she was not working, she was still an employee. So she would build up PTO, which also helped lengthen the amount of time that we had to wait for uh, disability to be approved. The month that disability was running out, no, the time time that her Uh, EIB was running out, disability was approved, not a month's difference. It all just went like straight on through and I thought, hmm, okay. You did that too, didn't you? Uh, But she stayed at home probably a couple of more years after that. but in 2014, I retired from Vanderbilt, and uh, which was not in our plans. I was old enough to retire, but I didn't have any desire to retire. And I didn't have any desire to become a 24-7 caregiver either. But those were the cards we were dealt. Uh, it's hard to think about becoming a caregiver to the love of your life after 44 years of marriage. Uh, Any of you who might have known us at that time had a hard time believing on your first introduction to her that she was sick because she could Talk to you just like we're talking now. And then she got to the point that it became a little more apparent. and She started losing her ability to know faces. I mean, she didn't, know, didn't lose the ability to know faces, but she knew, lost the ability to know your name. She knew your face, but she didn't know your name. That happened to my family. It happened to me. And it's kind of scary when you think that you've got the care of somebody who doesn't even know who you are. But she was always gracious. But she would walk up to somebody. She'd walk up to Connie or she'd walk up to, to Betty or Nan. Even though she probably had met them who knows how many times and she'd say hi my name's Jean mccasland and i have alzheimer's we never hid it we didn't want to hide it we wanted god to be glorified in the way that we lived through that and i hope that he was i, I feel that he probably was uh, if you were sitting next to her in class like this, or if you we were standing in the hall talking, she'd reach up and start giving you a back rub. She loved to do back rubs. And everybody said, well, I bet you really enjoy this, don't you? I said, no. She gives them to everybody else. She doesn't give them to me. <laughs> So, uh, but knowing that she was loved and cared for and, uh, she just didn't have any worries. And I think Alzheimer's in some ways takes that away, which is a great blessing, but, uh, I found this little story the other day Uh, he said a grandson went to visit his grandmother who had Alzheimer's and as he was about to leave he told her it was nice seeing you to which she replied it was nice remembering you and it took him by surprise and he said you remember me She said, well, I don't remember your name, but I remember that I love you. What more can you ask? Your name's not anything when it comes to the relationship you have with somebody else. So the last three or four years of our our life together was her remembering that she loved me and that she loved our kids, but she didn't... (coughs) She didn't know our names, but I didn't care. She was there. Uh, then there was the time that she wandered out of the house. I had alarms on, on the, the exit doors that screeched like bloody whatever. It was just awful. But that didn't seem to affect her so much, although she knew most of the time if she did it and it screeched, that she would back up and get away from the door, which was grateful. But uh, this one Saturday afternoon, I don't know exactly what happened, but I had a knock on my front door and there was a young man standing there. And he said, do you know Jean McCasland? And I said, yes. And he said, do you know where she is? And I said, yes, she's in laying down, taking a nap. And I could tell by the look on his face that that is not where she was. (laughs) And I said, that's not where she is, Is is she? And he said, no. She had been walking down, and we lived out in the country then, uh, not a deserted road, but not a lot of traffic. And he said, I found her in the middle of the road. This was late fall. Um, misty kind of rain. Darkish. It was five, five thirty. And he said, I I Saw her in the road, and I stopped. He said, I thought I knew who she was, but he was he was a neighbor boy who was the age of my children who are now in their 40s. He hadn't seen her in years, but he knew basically who she was. So he stopped and talked to her, and she got in the car with him, which when I think back on that, I think how scary is that? that she would get in the car with somebody that she had no idea who he was. And he took her to his mother's house who lived just a short distance down the road. And he said, I'll bring her home in a little bit. But he was kind of letting her get, I think letting her get her bearings as to what was going on and making sure, I think even making sure with his family that she wasn't in a situation that she didn't really need to be in with me or whoever. So he said, I'll bring her home in a little while. Well, he came back to the house and he said, I think you can come get her. So I went to the house and got her. And she just looked at me like, well, hi, you know, these these nice people have been taking care of me. And I thought, oh, I just can't imagine what it would have been if she hadn't had somebody taking care of her. And somebody who ended up caring for her like they did. Uh, But she had no worries. You know, I said a while ago, Alzheimer's takes that away and for the most part, she didn't didn't care. February of 2017, I decided that we needed a caregiver, and I got a phone call one day. There was a, there's a respite for caregivers uh, group in Gallatin that takes care, that will take care of your, of your loved one for four hours, twice a week, and you can, then have time to do what you want to do. Well, from where we lived to there was about an hour, 50, 50 minutes to an hour. But one of the ladies who volunteered there lived about 15 minutes from us. She said, I'll take her. You bring her to my house and I'll take her and bring her home. So, you know, God just placed all of these things in, in place for us not to have to worry about that and know that he was in control of what was going on with us. It was just amazing to stop and look back at all of that. Uh, Carrie was started in February of 2017. uh, Part-time. She worked four hours a day, two days a week. Most caregivers wouldn't even consider doing that, but Jean had met her. She had met Jean at the respite place it's called the veranda in Gallatin. And she said, I'm here for you until you don't need me anymore. She had met Jean there, so she she had a, an idea of what she was dealing with. Well, as things progressed, I had Carrie come more often. We ended up not having to take Jean not being able to take Jean to the veranda because she, she got a little possessive of the other clients' possessions everything was hers they didn't like that you know i think a lot of alzheimer's patients get to that point where this is mine and you can't have it so anyway uh, She went on hospice in September of 2018, which was longer than they expected. They didn't want. They they said she's not far enough along because they said six months is usually our threshold for uh, taking a hospice patient. But you know, with somebody with dementia, you don't know. Well, you don't know, any of us know what it is, but with a dementia patient, you really don't know. But they took her in. Uh, Carrie kept telling me she is not textbook. She is not textbook. She was up and moving mobile till the last 10 days of her life. Uh, She passed on October 26th, 2019. In a long two years. But I wouldn't have her back the way she was. Or the way it could have been. She never, ever was belligerent, violent, uh... Somebody asked me the other day, said, tell me, what, tell me what you want me to know about Jean. And I said, you've seen her smile, and if you haven't seen anything else, then you know her. And that's the way we ended up shortly thereafter, after she passed, my kids had decided that because I was out in the rural area that I needed to be closer to society. I liked where I was, but...
2: <laughs>
1: so my, three three weeks after Jean passed, my son-in-law's aunt passed, and she had a nice home in Hendersonville. So right after New Year's, I packed up, I started packing, and then COVID hit. So I didn't get to move. Finally, the 1st of June, I moved. You know, too bad about COVID. You gotta, you gotta move on with life at some point. And so I did that. Took a long time to settle in. In fact, until this past summer when it finally decided that I was depressed. I was about a year and a half getting into that. I ended up with a counselor. I ended up uh, talking to several friends. I ended up uh, realizing that I didn't grieve her because I didn't have time. Because right after she passed, I moved. Well, right after she passed, we had Thanksgiving and Christmas. Our anniversary was New Year's Day. Just within that two-month period, I had I experienced that. <clears throat> and so I just had to sit back and take time to do all of those things, which I needed to do. And I uh, began most of that this last summer I because I'm sitting here today I know that I have come through the biggest part of that because I would not ever have been able to do it now. Uh, I've been going to Grief Share, and if you all don't know Grief Share, learn about it. It's been a lifesaver for lots and lots of people, me being one of them. Uh, I'm just... Grateful that it's available. This has become my new best friend because I've had trouble with my balance. I've had people telling me for years that I've been off balance, but... (laughs) I didn't realize they knew more than I did, but... Anyway, uh, I'm going to share something now. And I've not asked permission to do it and it's the, where I'm going to close. Uh, I did not ask permission, but it has been something that has stayed with me right here the, ever since I received it a year, a little over, well, let's see, a little, about two years ago. It was before Gene passed, but not long before Gene passed. It was an email I received. It says, how are you today? My guess is that you just have today, right? You may know know what today is like, or maybe it's down to, you know, what the next hour is like. But you most certainly leave tomorrow in God's hands. I mean, I just can't imagine what you're going through you probably wonder what to get at the grocery store. A half gallon of milk? Or a whole one? I mean, how do you decide? But hey, get the thick sliced bacon.
2: <laughs>
1: get a whole package. If Jean doesn't eat it, you can. Bacon is meat candy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: he says... Listen, I don't know how this prayer works, but it does. I pray God takes every bit of strength of spirit, every bit of peace, serenity and well-being he finds in me and gives it to you today. And just like that, he does. And some somehow I still have some left. Amazing, thank you all for putting up with this it's i'm glad i, I don't sh- haven't shared that story in a long in a long time. Uh, I miss her desperately, and I always will, just like so many of you miss. Your spouse is. But God's going to get us through this. He already has and He will continue to do that because He's right here by my side and by your side. Thank you for the sharing. With I, want, I want to say one more thing. Uh, and I won't make it nine
2: minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) During the time that Gene, the last two years that Gene was alive, you all don't have any idea what this church did for us. Uh, I know that when we started looking for a church that God knew what we were going to need down the road. He didn't know. I mean, we didn't know. We didn't even know Alzheimer's. I mean, we knew it existed, but we didn't know that it was going to be ours to share in. Uh, And this church jumped up and for two years provided meals for us twice a week Do you realize that that's over 200 meals in that period of time? It finally hit me one day. I was thinking about that. and I thought, 200 plus meals that those people loved us enough to prepare because you love Jesus. Don't forget that. I love you all so much. You just don't know what a blessing you all have been to us. Thank you. Thank
0: you. We waited a year and a half to hear that, and I think it was well worth our wait. So I'm just so glad you came in. If you, you had, and did had it last year, it would have been a different thing.
1: Okay. I wasn't prepared last year to. And the
0: Lord knew when
1: you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. when we were supposed to hear this story. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yes, the pictures. We've got a picture of oh, Gene yeah. and Jim uh, and John over here. Jim. And what's the, Jim? <laughs> oh, I forgot. That was that other man. That's right. That other. Okay. Uh, who has Alzheimer's? So. Um, the, and tell us the story of the, the other picture with the
1: cross. The other, the other picture. Gene had never shown any, any. Uh, Desire to paint. Her grandmother painted, her mother painted, her sisters painted, uh, her aunts painted, everybody painted in the family but Jean. And after she was at home by herself, I came home one day and sitting on the kitchen table was a picture that she had painted that day. It wasn't this one, it was another, but this one came along right after that. And I said, tell me about it. And she said, well, she said, we all know what the cross is. And we all know what the darkness was before the cross. And then there's the light. And I thought, wow, she still has that. (laughs) Because this was probably two to three years after she'd been home. So you never know what's going to going to come out so
0: and I think all of us uh, that knew Jean during that time and watched that Jim and I've said it again (laughs) John oh John over here my best friend John uh, and Jean watched them as she was beautifully dressed her hair was done her makeup was done to the last time I saw her at Otter Creek and we know she didn't do that by
1: herself and she was here up until probably six weeks before she passed (coughs) she was up and mobile until 10 days before she passed when we finally decided she needed to be in a in a hospital bed and we put her there and that's where she stayed until she went home
0: thank you all so much next sunday we're going to change it a little bit for the next two Sundays. Next Sunday, Gen- Jenny Lusty, almost called her Jimmy. I didn't have Jim on my <laughs> Jenny Lusty, who is the children's minister here at Otter Creek, is going to speak uh, to tell us her story and how she ended up at Otter Creek. Uh, two weeks from today, David Rubio is speaking. So... Uh, that will be a great story to hear, too. And then three weeks from today, I'm not sure what's happening. So, uh, but we'll have a plan before then. So the 18th is our, is our brunch. If you don't quite fit the age range, we'd still love for you to come. So uh, we welcome anyone to come. Uh, David Knox will come and do his some magic for us. And uh, we'll be singing some Christmas carols and just getting together and enjoying each other's company.